Thanks, Graham. <clears throat> well, good morning, everyone. Good morning, everyone. Lovely to be with you this morning, both here and online. If we've not met, my name is Mike Croft and I live with Trish down in Samuel Park. We're retired teachers. She's a prayerful grandmother, a gardener and a glass artist. I spend my time in Helensburg Men's Shed being a church warden, looking after our grandson, surfing and walking our dogs. Actually, we both walk the dogs at least once a day. And I must say, they enjoy their freedom when they're off leash running about, especially when they're retrieving a ball. They don't wander off very far when I go for a swim and they stay with me even when they're not on the lead. The only time they seek freedom is when there's an electrical storm. Most recently, in a thunderstorm, I shut them in the garage thinking all would be well overnight. But unfortunately, the back door was open and Cody escaped. He jumped to freedom over the back fence and went and hid in the surfboard compartment of a couple's van. He didn't emerge until 7am when they were getting up. We had had an anxious morning looking for him until then and he was quite, quite pleased to be back on his lead and go home. What was he thinking running away like that? Was he chasing his freedom only to end up contained in a board box? People are a bit like that too, running about looking for freedom. In high school in the 60s, I lived by the adage that I could do anything I wanted so long as I didn't hurt someone else. I was captured by my culture and believed that I was free. My mother and sisters were Christians and I thought they were constrained and restrained by their faith and that I was the free one. My freedom was to be selfish and self-centred, to have a way of life that was all about me. Well, this came to an end when I was 20 and God showed me true freedom. The freedom that came from belonging to Christ. I learnt where true freedom lay. The truth of following Jesus who said in John 8, You're truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teaching and you will know the truth and that truth will set you free. Last week, Matthew told us that there's no freedom in this world apart from the freedom found in Christ. This morning I've been tasked to speak to you from Romans 8, 1-4 that Graham just read. It's part of our summon series called Summer Series. Summon's good, isn't it? Summer Series, Finding Freedom. So let me pray as we open up God's word together. Heavenly Father, Abba, Please help us to understand what it means to be free. Help us as we consider your word to see how Jesus sets us free and to learn how to live as your freed people. Lord God, may your great Holy Spirit take your word and write it upon our hearts and minds in the name of our wonderful Lord Jesus. Amen. Well, if you've got a Bible in front of you, let's go back to Romans 8. This verse concludes the previous argument and introduces another. 
There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. When someone says therefore, they want you to remember what they said beforehand. Paul wants us to remember what he's been saying these last seven chapters. Are you ready for a fly-through? In chapter 1, he presents his apostolic credentials, a gospel outline, and comments upon the work of the Holy Spirit in Jesus' resurrection. From 1.18 to 3.20, Paul talks about sin and retribution and identifies the universal need for a saviour. Then from 3.21 to 5.21, he shows how this universal need is met by God sending Jesus to make us right with him. We're told in Romans 3.23, you'll be familiar with this one, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. He says that faith in Jesus makes a person righteous, not keeping laws. Paul then explains how faith is different from law-keeping. And he reminds us that Abraham's faith came, from the, came before the law. Remember Romans 4 verse 3? Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Not law keeping, his belief in God. So Paul says it's about how hard we work at being Christians. It's not about how hard we work as being Christians, but whether we trust Jesus. In chapter 5, we read of the blessings that the Holy Spirit equips the faithful with. Peace with God, access to God's grace, joy, hope and love. And hope doesn't put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Then in chapters 6 through to 8, Paul outlines new freedoms for those following this way of life. There are three of them. Freedom from sin in chapter 6. In chapter 7, freedom from law. And in chapter 8, freedom from death. Look at this passage from chapter 6. The death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, don't let sin reign in your mortal body, so that you obey its evil desires. I just lost my place. There we go. Do not offer the part, any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourself to God as those who have been brought from death to life. And offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. For sin shall no longer be your master, because you are not under the law, but you're under grace. You're not under the law, but under grace. This is freedom. Sin is no longer the master as the disciple offers himself up to God. Grace is the master as the Holy Spirit helps us offer every part of ourselves to God. In chapter 7, we read that under this grace, we are freed from the law, as it says in Romans 7, 6. We have been released from the law so that we may serve in the new way of the Spirit and not in the old way of the written code. As we serve in this new way of the Spirit, we learn that this new freedom is not a licence to do anything either, just as it's not rule-keeping. It's the new way of the Spirit. Unfortunately, though, our humanity 
is the weak link. Paul testifies how hard it is to resist sin and temptation, how his conscience and knowledge of the law both highlight to him how much and how often he lets God down and so feels condemned. So, it's by faith that Jesus has given us peace with God. It's by faith that Jesus, in Jesus that we are given access to God's grace. It's by faith, <clears throat> excuse me, it's by faith in Jesus that we are given joy. It's by faith in Jesus that we are given hope and it's by faith in Jesus that we are given love. This is freedom. Freedom from sin and freedom from law. Therefore, he says, as I think about this great gift of salvation from God, I should not feel condemned. In fact, I am not condemned because I am in Christ Jesus. Look at chapter 8, verse 1 again. There is therefore no, now no condemnation as Christ who knew no sin was from a legal point of view made sin for us so are we who believe in him to all legal effects, as it says in 2 Corinthians 5.21, made the righteousness of God in him. And thus, one with him in God's economy. We are united with him. There is therefore no condemnation. This is Jesus' promise to his disciple. Look at what it says in John 3.18. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned. He's condemned already because he's not believed in the name of the only Son of God. The believer is free from condemnation and death. As Jesus says in John 5.24, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He doesn't come into judgment but has passed from death to life. How wonderfully free from God's condemnation and free from death. He's passed from death to life. And Paul amplifies this again in Romans 5.18. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. For as by the one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience the many will be made righteous. But this is not some legal arrangement. It is a union in life. Believers, through the indwelling spirit of Christ in them, have one life with him as truly as the head and the members of the same body have one life. Paul reminds himself and us, that the problems he wrestled with in the last part of chapter 7 are dealt with in Jesus. There's no condemnation. Because the moment I put my trust in Jesus, the condemnation that I was under as a rebel against God is completely removed. Because of Jesus' work on the cross, taking upon himself God's condemnation of me for my sin and rebellion, I'm at that moment forgiven and there's no longer any condemnation. And there's no longer any condemnation upon me. And this also continues into the future as I remain in Jesus. This is the very essence of Christianity. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. What about you? Do you believe in Jesus? 
Have you put faith in him or are you still among the condemned? There's no need for this. Become free. Give yourself to Jesus today. Here in verse 1, we have a great conclusion. No condemnation for those who believe in Jesus. And we also have the introduction to another truth. We are not condemned because of our faith and we are given freedom from death by the Holy Spirit. Look at verse 2. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. In the New Living Translation, this passage reads, And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. Paul's talked about two laws and two principles. Two powers at work in the influence of people. The law or power of sin and death versus the law or power of the spirit of life. He's talked about the effect on himself and others of these two opposing forces. Now he concludes that the power of sin and death is overthrown by the law or power of the spirit in the believer. This powerful life-giving spirit is of course the Holy Spirit who converts us and equips us to be disciples of Jesus. It's the Holy Spirit who renews us and transforms our heart. Look at what Jesus says in John 7.38. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Rivers of living water. Out of his heart will flow the spirit of life. It is the Holy Spirit of God. This, this is the Holy Spirit who guides us into the truth, as Jesus says in John 16.13. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he'll take what is mine and declare it to you. This Holy Spirit reveals all the truth and glorifies Jesus and his teaching. The Holy Spirit is the truth teller, the great change maker, the heart and mind turner who frees and equips a believer to serve Jesus. Let me paraphrase Isaiah 11.2. The spirit of the Lord is the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. This very Holy Spirit sets us free from the law of sin and death. The Holy Spirit, the Spirit of life, frees us to live in Christ Jesus, to be disciples who are learning to be like our Master. This is all the work of God. Look at verses 3 and 4. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh but according to the spirit. God does what the law couldn't do. The law was unable to free us from our sin and rebellion against God. Our flesh, our frail humanity and weak minds were unable to completely obey the law. We struggle like Paul says in Romans 8, 7. 
So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being. But I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. To rescue us from this torment, God sent his own son Jesus in a body like ours to to bear the condemnation that was due us all. Jesus, fully God and fully human, lives for 30 years a temptation-full but sin-free life. Jesus, God's Son, is condemned to bear all our sin upon the cross. Jesus takes our condemnation upon himself to set us free from sin and death, free to walk according to the Spirit and to live in accordance with the Spirit and have our minds set on what the Spirit desires. We are freed from death to enjoy life and peace. This freedom is only granted to those who have faith in Jesus, whose minds are governed by the Spirit, those whose minds are filled with his divine word. Now, in order to set your mind on what the Spirit desires, you need to be freed to feed on the right food. You need to know what the Spirit desires. The Spirit desires to serve Jesus and glorify God. So you need to know what this means. You need to counter the all-pervasive influences of our selfish culture by reading and knowing God's word. You need to follow Paul's advice to the Philippians as he says in Philippians 4.8 Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honourable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence... If there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. God doesn't make us his puppets. He provides the scriptures and the Holy Spirit so that we can be trained as disciples of Jesus. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of wisdom and understanding who helps us to learn the scriptures. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of counsel and might who helps us to apply the scriptures. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And when we put our trust in Jesus, he grants us the freedom to be his adopted children. We're not fearful slaves, but God's adopted children who can now cry, Abba, Father, Daddy, God. Look at Romans 8, 15. You did not receive a spirit of slavery, I told you, to fall back into fear. But you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. So what difference does it make to be free and not condemned? We understand this is the work of God, that he delivers us from condemnation. Does all this theological theory of freedom and no condemnation have any practical application? Yes, indeed it does. With apologies to John Piper, I'd like to give you some applications to ponder. Freedom from condemnation in persistent illness. When you suffer pain or an illness and it lasts a long time and seems to be getting worse instead of better, it even seems that it might end in death and not healing, the accuser 
our own thoughts, the devil, Job's mates, come and say, it's punishment. You're under God's condemnation. What have you done wrong? Why are you suffering so much? How are you going to survive that sort of assault? With Romans 8.1. No, I'm not under condemnation, I'm free. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus and I trust my Christ. He is my righteousness and my pardon. My sins are covered. I will not come into condemnation. I have passed from death to life. Be gone, tempter. O Christ, let your power be perfected in my anguish. You might feel condemned because of your marriage difficulties. Suppose suppose you feel disappointed or even deeply wronged in your marriage. Where will you find the moral power to forgive and keep on loving and wooing and hoping and not resort to returning evil for evil and condemning? Romans 8.1 You remind yourself again and again, even though you are a sinner, in Christ Jesus God does not condemn you and your future is free for everlasting joy. From that reservoir of mercy and hope, you'll draw up buckets of mercy for your spouse. And God can work wonders of grace in your life. Do you feel condemned because of your parenting? What to do if your children break your heart? We find ample reason for thinking, it's all my fault. Well, I'm never going to sort that out, ever. Only God can. So how can you keep going? How will you keep loving? Romans 8.1 In the end, you don't have to sort it out. Your standing with God does not hang on your figuring out how much was your fault and how much was not. Your standing before God as a loved and forgiven child is this. There's no condemnation. For those who are in Christ Jesus. With that freedom you will admit your failings freely and you'll humble yourself before your children to enable God to help you. There's actually freedom from anything. On and on I could go. Freedom from condemnation in your ministry. Freedom from condemnation and peer pressure. Pride. Racism. The practical implications of this glorious truth are endless. So where are you? Has the world shaped your thinking? Do you realise your need to escape God's condemnation? Most importantly, have you been freed? Are you in Christ by faith? There's always room in Christ. Come, enjoy the freedom that's in Jesus. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your word and we pray that you would help us to learn from it and that it would apply itself to our lives by the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen.